Isn't it great that we have a God that we can trust in, um, in times of certainty and in times of uncertainty? When he calls us to step out on the deep waters, you know, as we trust him in faith, he just keeps growing our faith and keeps making it stronger as we just keep on trusting him. And he keeps on showing over and over again how faithful and loving he is. We just serve such a, such a great and awesome God. If you have your copy of the scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Amos. Amos chapter 8. And um, we're working our way throughout, uh, through all of Amos chapter 8 today. It's just the 14 verses. And um, over the next couple of weeks, we'll work our way through uh, chapter 9. And so there'll be 12 parts of the series all together throughout the, uh, through the book of Amos. But some great challenges for us as a church. And so I want to ask that if you haven't read through the book of Amos yet, then, then do that. Take some time to, to work your way through it because there are some great uh, challenges for us as a church. It's easy to read through the Old Testament and think, well, yeah, that was for the nation of Israel back hundreds of years ago. What does that have to do with us? But um, I, think if you, um, I think if you've looked through the book of Amos much at all, you can see, wow, so much of it. it. It would look like it's written for the church in 2016, not a church hundreds and hundreds of years ago, not a people group that, that God loved hundreds of years ago, but the people that he loves today. In 2016, even sometimes it could even look like us at Lakes Baptist. And so many of the challenges in the book of Amos are... Is, is, a, is a church that's going the wrong direction and God challenging them to change. And we've mentioned a few times now over the last several weeks, change doesn't come easy. I think especially in churches. We get a bit stuck in our ways. Now, I love the church, and you know that. I've been born and kind of raised in the church. It's always been part of my life, and I, 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 love, I love the church. But what I've come to discover through my life in the church is that the church I've always known it's not always been the church that God wants us to be. In fact, probably has rarely ever been the church that God wants us to be. And we all have to be willing to be challenged to change. We have to be willing to admit sometimes we don't get it quite right. And churches often have disagreements among themselves, like the people in the church have disagreements among themselves over change. We don't like to, to change things. We don't like to, uh, to alter any of the, uh, the agenda, we like it to kind of stay as normal, wherever we're comfortable. But you see, the interesting thing about the church is it was never meant to be comfortable. It's never meant to be static in any way. It's meant to be a living movement of God sharing His passionate love with an ever-changing community. And we need to be willing to make sure, sorry, be willing to be challenged to be that church. Now, have you ever seen an old church building that's not a church building anymore? You see these beautiful old buildings and you think, wow, I'd love to go inside there. And then you, you walk up to find out it's no longer a church there. I remember being an American, uh, walking up to this beautiful, large, old church building. It had the, the gorgeous stained glass windows all around which depicted the life of, of Jesus. And I couldn't wait to, to go inside and just to kind of sit there in the, the silence of the church and just to spend some time with God. And yet when I walked up to this church building that had been a church for over 100 years, I found out now that it's an art gallery. 
And as I sat in that, or stood there in the art gallery, it just wasn't quite the same. Uh, although you can spend time with God in art gallery, I'm not disrespecting art galleries or anything. But I did discover that this beauty of this church building, the, the stained glass windows and stuff, had suddenly just become part of the, the art really on display. Now, in, um, in Western Sydney, when I first moved to Australia, I lived in Western Sydney, and we used to go to this little restaurant, many of you may have been there, uh, called King Henry's Court, uh, which is this great little old uh, kind of church-looking building. I thought, well, this is interesting, but I walked in, and it's just a, a restaurant. It's a nice restaurant, um, but if you're looking for a church, it's a little different. It can look like a church from the outside, and yet when you walk inside, it's something completely different. Well, today, we'll see how the people of Israel were keeping just enough church kind of things, the, the churchy things in life. They were keeping just enough of those so that they kind of looked like a church to other people, and they looked a little different to other people, but the, their lives showed something completely different. They had very churchy practices and churchy windows and churchy buildings, but their lives showed something completely different. In fact, I want to challenge us to look at the reading for today and let our prayer be that God challenges us as His church to avoid just being a, a worldly church, one that, that looks like and has some, some elements of church but represents something entirely different. Let me just read for you, uh, read through Amos chapter 8, and then we'll get into this a little bit. Amos chapter 8. I don't have it on the screen for you today. I just want you to try to read through this through your, your copy of the Word. Amos chapter 8, I'll begin in verse 1. It says, This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? he asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Well, then the Lord said to me, The time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over so that we can sell grain and the Sabbath be ended so that we can market the wheat? skimping on the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy with a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has sworn, sworn by himself the pride of Jacob. I will not forget anything they have done. Will not the land tremble for this, and all who live in it mourn? The whole land will rise like the Nile, it will be stirred up and then sink like the river of Egypt. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and your singing into weeping. I will make all of, all of you sorry, I will make all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. I will make that time like mourning of, a, of an only son the end of it like a bitter day. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst of water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, 
searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the lovely young women and the strong young men will faint because of thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, as surely as your God lives, Dan, or as surely as the God of Beersheba lives, they will fall, never to rise again. Let's just pray. Dear God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. And Lord, I pray that we listen to you now, that we be challenged by you to recognize what we may need to change, to recognize in our own lives, in our families, in our church family, what we may need to be willing to be challenged for you, to change so that we truly trust you, we truly devote ourselves to you, not just on Sunday mornings, not just through religious practices and songs, but with every aspect of our life. Lord, help us to surrender to you. Help us, Lord, to not just seem like a church, but to represent you with all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first part of this challenge in, in Amos chapter 8 is that God's not interested in, in a fake church. He's not interested in just people who say that they love God and people that sing the songs but don't live that out. And the, the people of Israel were, were doing just that. They were kind of going through the, the motions and they, they said that they worshipped, but many of them also worshipped other gods. Many had started to, to, to worship the gods of, of, of area uh, communities outside of Israel, like uh, Dan and Bathsheba. And they kind of started saying, you know what, we, we trust our God, but then this other God sounds all right too, and so we'll kind of follow him as well. And um, verse 14 talks about these, these false, false gods and says they will be punished those who have turned away from the one true God, who have allowed other things to come in the place of God. Now, this sounds like it has nothing to do with us today. It sounds like it had nothing to do with 2016, but although you may not be bowing down to some graven image and serving some other God like you, like you are worshiping God today, we often, too, put things in God's place. We often, too, are serving other things other than God. We put our focus and our attention and our money and, and our, our lives into other things other than God. And that's where the, the challenge is, is to not worship anything else than God doesn't just mean about bowing down or singing songs to anything else, but some of us put other things in God's place. You see, God says we should seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all the other things can fall into place. He can take care of clothing us. He can take care of feeding us. He can take care of providing for us. He will do the healing. He will do the restoring. He does the ministry. He shares the gospel as we put Him first. But we have a tendency to be so busy in our lives that church and, and God, especially, is the last thing on the list. And we're, we're taking care of all the, the things we have to do for work. We're taking care of all the things we have to do to make sure the bills are covered. We, we put all the things in place to make sure we're, we've saved up for that, that holiday or whatever it is. We make sure that our family are, are cared for, we're provided for. Uh, we're eating uh, plenty and we're, we're cared for. 
And then, if we have any time left, we'll say, God, how can I serve you? And, and, and like it or not, many of us get to the end of the day, and if we try to take time to pray, if we can, if we can stay awake long enough to pray, when we pray, we kind of think, you know what, God, I'm sorry, I've done it again. I've not done anything for you today. I've not spent any time with you today. God, I've not even communicated with you today. And I'm sorry. I've been so busy that I haven't served you. Now, being a pastor for, like, for a number of years now, I've had so many people say from the community have come to me through different years, and this is in Australia, it's in America, they'll come and say, oh, oh, pastor, I know I need to get to church. But just when things settle down a little bit, when the, the kids, things aren't as crazy with the kids or work isn't hounding me all the time, then I, I know I'll get around to getting to church because I know I need to. Now, I want to say this isn't a plug to attend church. I'm happy for people to attend church. In fact, I, I would love to see every seat filled every single Sunday. This isn't a plug saying you have to put church first. I'm saying it doesn't matter if you put church first if you don't put God first. It doesn't matter if you're sitting here every single Sunday. If God is not first in your life, things are out of whack. And the people here... Well, they were serving God and they were in church. They were kind of singing the songs, but they're also following other things and following other gods and saying, maybe this self-help book will bring me what I need. Maybe this is what I need for my marriage. Maybe, maybe this friend or this person has the right answers. And God challenges his people to love him first, to follow him first, to trust him with all of our lives. Not only that, but, but to allow our worship to be true. You see, verse 3 talks about fake practices. It says, In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land. And then goes into this, waiting for all this other stuff to be over with. It says, You're in the, the temple. You're singing the songs. And yet nothing is really sinking through. Your life isn't changed at all. You see, the Word of God isn't just meant to be something that we read or, or the pastor reads from in church on Sunday. It's something that we apply to our lives and we allow God to change us and to challenge us to be who He wants us to be. The love that He gives to us is supposed to go into our love for our family, into our love for our spouse, into our love for our community, into love for, for our neighbor. He talks about as anyone who's in need. We do no good if we stand here and we sing songs and we praise God's name with all of our, the most beautiful sounds if we don't apply it to our lives and it doesn't change who we are. I have never seen anyone's life that's been touched by God that hasn't been changed. He just changes their heart completely. He changes their life where, where they just want to love others. And it's so exciting when you see someone who's just become a Christian. They've just experienced God's forgiveness, his, his complete healing and His grace because they cannot wait to just go out and tell everybody. They just want to go and tell the world. They want to shout it from the rooftops about how much God loves them and how much God loves anyone who will come to Him. Sometimes, somehow, along the way, through the, the years of just coming and singing the songs and hearing the message and going back out, through the years of even doing the right things and the right religious sort of practices, we seem to become 
a bit calloused and a bit hard. And that same sort of passion to live out God's love just doesn't seem true in our life. And we have to check that personally. We have to check that as a church to make sure we're not just going through the motions, but we're, it's actually following through into all of our lives. You see, God is interested in a life-transforming church, one that not only hears the word, but applies it to life, allows God to change us, constantly changing us, constantly growing us, constantly maturing us into who he wants us to be. So we are sharing that constant life-transforming love everywhere we go. Verse 4 says, Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over that we can sell grain and the Sabbath ended so we can market the wheat? And then he goes in, you're, you're skimming people and you're cheating people. You can't wait to do that. But you can't wait for church and the religious stuff to be over so you can get back to, to cheating people and to lying and to scheming. Now, I know that we've all sat through sermons. I know I've been a pastor for a long time. But I've sat through my own sermons sometimes. I've listened to myself on, on, a, uh, on a DVD or whatever. I'm going, when is he going to shut up? He just goes on and on. Some preachers just go on and on, even myself included. And sometimes, I have to admit, I've sat in church and thought, oh my goodness, I just want to go to the beach or I just want to do something else. I want to get out of here. Let's do anything else. Now, what he's talking about here is these people, it's, it's not just that the preacher is long-winded. It's not just that the pastor just keeps going on or, or you've repeated the course of the song for the eighth time and you're just going, when is this going to end? That's not what he's talking about here. Saying these people, they're going through the religious motions. They're going, I'm in church every Sunday, but I'm not going to let that affect my life. I just want to tick the box. I've done the church thing. Now I want to go back to living however I want to live. I'm going to keep on cheating people. In fact, I can't wait for church to be over because church is supposed to finish at 10.30, and at 10.35 I want to be back in business. I want to be back doing what I want to do, living how I want to live, but I'll be in church on Sunday. Now I grew up in a society of people that's in what's called the Bible Belt in America where kind of everybody goes to church. But I've grown up seeing people over and over in my life that just they're in church every single Sunday. But they don't live it. I mean, they're, they're out living however they want to during the week. Absolutely nothing in their life that looks like God. Nothing in their life that looks like they belong to anyone other than themselves. But they're in church on Sunday, dressed in their Sunday best, singing the songs about how much they love God and how much He's willing, how much He changes their life. And you're not showing it. God is interested in a life-transforming church that is about justice and mercy, that doesn't just sing about God's life-changing power, but believes in that power and allows that power to change their life and to change the community. You, we see how the community just seems like it's going down and down and down, and the church are sitting here singing songs. Now, we have to be that changing power. We have to allow God's love to change the community, to change the way that we relate with others. God wants our worship to not just be about going through the motions, to not just be, able to be about ticking the boxes, but to be about our relationship with God. Again, I love for people to come to church. I love church. I really can't wait every Sunday to come to church. I love it. And, and I, I love you guys, and I love God, and I love learning about God together. I love praising God together. But God is, is not wanting people to come to church just because I want you there. 
He's not wanting you to come to church just because you're going to get a phone call if you haven't been here in a few weeks or whatever, and you're going to get followed up and say, oh, I better show up, better be there, and then I'll go do what I want. God wants you to come to church because you love Him, because you want to get to know Him more, because you want to be challenged by Him with the church, because you want to grow together in relationship with the church and to be challenged as a group of people to live out that love and grace in our community, to show justice, to show mercy. God wants us to love Him more and more and to share that love because we want to, because of how He changes us, not because we're expected to. And God, God just works miracles as the people turn to Him. God works miracles as we do trust Him. Israel had suffered through many different famines. They've known many different times of of times which they didn't know where the next meal was coming from. The crops had dried up and failed and there, there was no water. There was no food. They had at times in Egypt and, and outside of that, the, the area had known many times where they had to store up food because there was a time of famine and they had to ration out the food in order to survive. Now, I know that we are such a blessed country and we know very little about what it is to starve. I mean, many of us eat way too much, way too often. Uh, we don't have a problem with starving. We, have a, we don't have a problem with not eating. We have a problem with eating too much, probably. No, I'm not going to look at anyone in particular or anything. I'm just saying, as a society, we have that. And, and Americans are even worse. Those of you who have holiday to America, the only thing I hear about everyone's holiday to America is, my goodness, you guys eat and eat and eat. The portions of the food are just astronomical. And you get a large drink and you get like a two-liter drink here. It's, it's crazy how much waste there is. But there are many countries, not only in Israel, but through a lot of Africa and the Middle East, even still today, who are hungry and who are thirsty and who know what it's like to just starve to death, who have seen family and friends go without clean water and, and good food, sustaining food, to where they, they've seen family and friends die. And many of you have seen videos of missionaries and ministries come in with, with trucks uh, of beans and rice and, and, and food that will sustain them. And, and literally there are people who get trampled to death sometimes by the crowds just trying to get the food, just longing for enough food to, to sustain life. God says He wants us to have that sort of passion, that sort of desire, not for food or water, but to know Him. He wants us to have that sort of hunger for Him. Psalm 42 says, As a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for You, O God. You, God, are, are my meat every day. You are the one that sustains me. I long for you. Now here, verse 11 and 12, listen to this. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger around from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of God. 
but they will not find it. People, it says, in Israel, who have always followed God's law, they've always followed God's direction, they've always had it there. It says, there will come a time when you will hunger not for food or for drink, but a hunger for the life-sustaining, precious Word of God. People, I think we've, we've seen times when the church has just been going through the motions. We've all been there. And we certainly... We've certainly seen times when we, um, when we put other things before God. When we have been unfaithful in that and we just want to get through church so we can kind of get on with our, our own things and how we want to do it. God doesn't just want us here because of following some rule, but He wants us here out of a relationship to Him, a relationship with one another. And the church for too long, at least in my lifetime, I've seen people just getting further and further and further away from God. Further and further away from God's Word. And I see people living for themselves, trying to make it on their own, following temporary pleasures and building up garages and storage units with temporary trophies and boats and cars and they have holiday houses and extreme prosperity. So we can say to ourselves and we can say to others, we've made it. By the world's standards, we seem to have everything, and yet we look the other way when we see struggle. We look the other way when we see hardship. We look the other way when we see suffering and heartache and pain, depression, homelessness, addictions, things around in our own community, on our own street, people that need help. The things that are destroying our community, our nation, our world. I saw a video clip last night. I'm not promoting Facebook or anything, but I saw this little video on Facebook. And um, I, I literally couldn't believe it. I watched it about three times. And what it was, it, it, it's one of those things where you just imagine this would never happen. Like you, you think, no, th this is not happening. What happened, uh, it was in a, an Asian country, so I don't know, we'll just say it's in Thailand, but it was in one of these sort of countries. And anyway, this guy's riding along in his scooter as they do and uh, the traffic light changed to red but a car came straight through hit the scooter and the body comes flying up lands on the road now there are cars coming by there are scooters coming by there's push bikes coming by there are people walking across the road and the scooter's lying over here the man's body is lying on the road lifeless and many of you may have seen this but car after car after car passed by this body, lying right in the middle of the road. Push bikes and people walking walk around the body and just keep on going. And it's only a short clip, but in this whole time, you just, it's one of those things you just go, wow, traffic immediately is just going to come to a stop. Life should stop, shouldn't it? Life should say, there is someone that's in need here. I don't care if I'm going to a work appointment. I don't care if I'm going to my wedding. I don't care what it is. This is more important. But nobody stopped. Nobody. The people walking right by, the people on the push bikes right by, the people on the scooters right by, the people in their cars right by. And, and, and the reason it shook me is I thought, oh, God, tell me as a church, we're not like that. Tell me as a church that we're not just 
saying how much we love you and we say how much we want you to change our lives and when the opportunity presents, we just keep on going. We keep on going in life just like the world, just like everybody else. We, I think, I think today there is a hunger, there is a thirst for the life-sustaining, life-changing, precious, precious Word of God. And my fear as a pastor who seeks to, to lead in God's church and His community and, and as a Christian who has spent my entire life in the church, my, my fear is that we look like a church with our building and we have the name church on our sign and maybe we have the name Christian in our lives. But when people look at us, they just see the world. They see like everybody else, not Christ in us. Oh, church, let's be the family that God wants us to be. One that worships Him with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and all of our strength. One that serves Him with all of our lives and one that honors Him with all of our words. Let's be a church that doesn't just read God's Word, that doesn't just pray to Him, but allows Him to change us that actually surrenders to Him, that doesn't say, God, I'll give you this part of my heart, but says, God, I will open my life to you. I surrender to you. I am yours. Use me for your glory. Use me to share your love. God, there are people who are hurting right here. Stop me. Stop me and allow me to show your love. God, there are people right in our community who are suffering. God, help me to see that need and to do whatever we can to meet it. Let's get together and say, God, Help us together to solve the problems in our community. Help us to reach out with your love. God, transform my life. May we be that sort of church. It's not a worldly church. We're not just going through the motions. We don't just want to look like the church building. We don't want to look like Christians to other people and then not represent God's name. We want to be changed by Him. And oh, how He does that. How His love and His grace... Transforms us when we just surrender to Him. We sing it in our songs. I think we mean it. But sometimes we have to stop and say, God, I need that again. I need to renew that commitment. God, I want to fix my eyes on you. I want to surrender completely to you. And God, all those other worries, all those things that I thought were so important, they grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. We're going to sing a, a last song. I'll ask the musos to come up at this time. This is an old hymn. Those of you who are raised on, on the hymns would know this quite well. Some of you only know it as a, a chorus. We're only going to sing the, uh, the chorus just today. Although next time I think we'll have to sing the whole song because I love this song. Uh, and such powerful words. But I've grown up just loving this chorus as well. It's my part of the song. This is Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace.